I've been thinking about and mulling over the whole uh, way that the Lord has um, captured our hearts over prayer and then begun to give us a heart and the opportunity to evangelize. Are we all aware of the process of the evangelism that will take place in September and October? That we are focusing on four areas, which are Wetmer Road, Wetmer Lane, Bramlings Cross, and the caravan park, which is called Riverside. They're all within walking distance from here. Okay? And the, the way that it's go, we're going to do it is Pauline and Keith are going to come up and help us to give out Bibles to every home. You're all aware with all of that. And as we process and work towards that, we want to be praying ahead of the game, not so that we go out unprepared, but so the Lord is already working that ground. The, the angels are already doing what the angels do best and we just partner with heaven to see those people saved. So as I've been thinking about that and praying about that, um, I've been provoked in many areas from different ones in the congregation. And I had a conversation with Shambir the other day, and we were talking about how, very briefly, how the message of the cross has to be clearly applied that's in a nutshell because i think there is we know that there's the emergent church and there's the cheapening of the gospel and we know that jesus has come in by his grace to save all and all we know all that but unless someone has a true conversion they will not last the course okay and when i got saved i Unfortunately, I mean, God uses all things, but I unfortunately applied Jesus into my life without any foundational change. For five years, I've, you, I've shared the story. I was, I want God, but there's this, the, the grip of sin. Why was that? Why was there that tension? Why was there that difficulty? Because the clarity of the gospel was not given in its entirety. And I would go so far as to say the law of God had not been applied. When the law of God was applied to my life, true repentance came. Are you all with me? You can ask me any questions, and I've got a little handout to give you, which I'll get one of the children to help me give out in a minute, but not just yet. So if I was giving the title to this message, it would be, The Purpose of the Law, It Leads to Salvation. There's all those scriptures in the Paul's epistles that talk about the law and, you know, what the law could not do, God did, and all this. And honestly, up until now, it's gone. Psh, 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 psh. The law was for then. Jesus came. He fulfilled the law. All we need is Jesus. If we do not understand fully... Listen, people think that they're going to go to hell or we think people are going to go to hell because they don't accept Jesus. That's actually not true. That's not true. People are going to go to hell because sin and the law and God's standard condemns them. 
And unless we have that truth and reality applied to us, there can be no Holy Spirit activation of actually convicting of sin. If there's no convicting of sin, people cannot see that there is an answer in the man Christ Jesus who came down from heaven and who has lived where they lived and that they can actually trust him. The only way someone can get to heaven is not even acknowledging that they are a sinner. They have to take his hand and pull his grace into their life and become in him. Do you understand the process? Now, this is exciting on the one hand, and I'm thrilled, but it's, it brings a daunting fear on the other hand. Because if I dare to tell someone, and the way I tell someone that they are a sinner condemned to hell because of their own sin, because there's a higher law and they've, they've failed, I could lose a relationship. I could lose face. I could lose reputation. Yet, if I do it the right way, this person has an opportunity for their own sin to produce righteousness in them by them reaching out for Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. And I'm thinking, how have we gotten ourselves into this mess? Because we haven't gone to the law and we've seen the law for what it is. Did Jesus preach hell? We've said it in this church loads of times. No, Jesus wouldn't preach hell to anybody, but he preached the law. He preached the law over and over and over and over. The law, the law, the law, the law. So that a man could go, I can't make the law. And he's going, of course you can't. You never will. Because I've come so that you can. Yes. I'm really excited. So today's message is an overview of what I want us to begin to unpack over the next four weeks. Because we cannot have a formula for evangelism. People have to have their own encounter with Jesus, setting them free from their own sin. And I can't do that job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. All I can be is an example in my own life to them and a witness to his grace and mercy. So... Let me give you a few points, then. This is my own message. It's not cribbed from anybody. Except, except, I just want to say, did you say first? Except, I want to say that we, this is not a plug to buy this because we don't have any in the bookshop. But this Bible was written by the Lord, but it was compiled by Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort. And it's called the Evidence Bible because it is absolutely full of questions and answers, anecdotes, stories, quotes, which I'm going to quote from uh, in the midst. It's King James Version uh, that they have altered slightly and given good reason for why they've altered it. Uh, they've taken words out like concuspicience, which whoever anybody knows what that means. But anyway, so my first point is this. God does nothing without purpose and there is a purpose for the law. Second, there's always a reason for and behind everything he creates. Third, there's always a reason for and behind his will and desires. So first thing we have to say is, I agree with your law. Those Ten Commandments, everybody, we have to say, I agree with them. Now, this is just a little test. Keep your hands to yourself and don't look at your Bible. 
Put your hands up. Honestly, if you think you could recite the Ten Commandments word for word in order without looking at your Bible. In, no, not your maid servants and your others. Um, um, what I'm saying is, the other week we had, was it Iddy or Salvation? And he came and he recited the Ten Commandments. Okay, I think Grandma had helped him somewhat. But he did it, didn't he? So this morning, Steve and I were sitting in our caravan. And I said, um, I just want to ask you something, Steve. Can you recite the Ten Commandments for me? Word, word for word or thereabouts, in the right order. I'm not going to tell you how badly he failed. But <laughs> the fact that he, did, he started on number three, not number one, for a start. No, no, because I'm going to give you a piece of paper in a minute with a picture of each one of them on, and you can take it away, and you can do your own study on it. What I'm saying is the law has to be applied, and it has to be applied relevantly. So it's no good saying to somebody, well, I'd like to just talk to you about Jesus. And by the way, you're not loving the Lord of God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, so you've broken the first commandment, you're out. You are the weakest link. There's got to be a way that we put them into context so that the person that we're talking to on an everyday level can actually see that that law is a law, is a law, is a law forever. The Ten Commandments are not going to go away, and they are applied to every single person, every single person, whether they're Muslim, whether they're... Jehovah's Witness, whether they're Christian, whether they're can members, okay? We cannot have Jesus and his atoning death and forgiveness if we haven't encountered his law, fourth point. Did you hear me loud and clear? You cannot have Jesus and his atoning death and his forgiveness if you haven't encountered his law. I was amazed when I looked through at how many occasions uh, right through the Bible where if it, if it wasn't from Moses onwards, if it wasn't one of the Old Testament prophets, it was Jesus himself who says, the law says, the law says, the law says. Has he changed? He's still saying. Yeah. So I think we've taken a step back and been afraid to talk about the standard of God's law because we want to come in with, but it's okay, Jesus has done it all and it's okay. Because we don't want the piercing condemnation. But without the piercing condemnation, they're not going to ever reach out and realize the forgiveness. So there has to be a moment for every single person where that piercing condemnation makes them realize I am a sinner set for hell without a Jesus that can make me free. Oh, the power in the gospel is not a power that I can release, but it's a power that the Holy Spirit sure can release if I put myself in the right place at the right time and I'm prepared to say the right thing. And the right thing sometimes feels harsh. There are over 500 scriptures in the Bible that mention the law. In the epistles, there's over 120 scriptures that mention the law. But you see, we're under grace and we're in a charismatic move of God, so we don't want to mention the law. We're in an age, friends, where the laws are being so changed and so watered down that we have no law. Lawlessness is increasing because the law and the standard has been brought down so low. 
The Holy Spirit convicts, but he needs a person to convict. So Galatians 3.24, if you are taking notes, tells us that the law is a schoolmaster. If we can think about the law in a different way than we've ever interacted with the law before, we will actually start to embrace the lawmaster, put our hands in the lawmaster, and let the, the schoolmaster do the work. Every one of us in this room has to be grateful for the education we've received. But I didn't like it. I'm, I'm having piano lessons. I'm 52, and this is my second time round. I started when I was 30 and ditched it. And I started again when I was 50. And I'm having piano lessons, but I hate, I hate practice. I, mean, I, I was telling them the other day, you know, it, was there any way to squirt round it was my question, really. She says, you, you got to grade 8. How much, how much practice did you do? She says, by the end of it, when I was practicing for grade 8, it was an hour a day. Was it an hour a day? But the schoolmaster produces the result. Is that right? So if we look at the law of God as the schoolmaster, are we, are we better to use what Jesus used to help our friends come to Christ? It's the way we use it. It's the way we use it. It's the way we do it. This is just a nice foundation, and I'm not going to be too long. So let me give you a few of the quotes. You'll love this. The function of the law. People will never set their faces decidedly towards heaven and live like pilgrims until they really feel that they are in danger of hell. Let us expound and beat out the Ten Commandments and show the length, the breadth, the depth and height of their requirements. This is the way of our Lord in the Sermon of the Mount. We cannot do any better than to follow his plan. We may depend on it. Men will never come to Jesus and stay with Jesus and live for Jesus unless they really know why they are to come and what is their need. What have we sung about today? Your mercy. It's not a pretty little dress he puts on us. His mercy applies to what should have sent us to hell. Did we not sing today? I deserved hell. I think people think it's a great big, you know, party. We're going to enjoy it. Get the drinks out. Have your favorite song on the jukebox. It's torment. It's torment. Every one of those Muslims that bow down every Friday is going to have a sure and steadfast hell and torment forever unless we go and say, Apply in the law. So, I'm going to read some more to you. Those whom the Spirit draws to Jesus are those whom the Spirit has convinced of sin. Without thorough conviction of sin, men may seem to come to Jesus and follow him for a season, but they will soon fall away and return to the world. That was spoken by John C. Ryle, who was the bishop of the Anglican Church between 1816 and 1900. I want to read you a few other quotes because it, I've, I've, I'm, I'm right. This is amazing stuff. Um, hmm. Why will sinners go to hell? Much damage has been done to the cause of the gospel by telling the world that they will go to hell because they don't believe in Jesus. This makes no sense whatsoever to the ungodly. 
It seems unreasonable that God would eternally damn them for not believing something. However, the verse, the, the verse is um, John 16, 9, where the Holy Spirit is the conviction. The verse can be explained in this way. If a man jumps out of a plane without a parachute, he will perish because he transgressed a law. What law did he transgress? The law of gravity. Had he put on a parachute, he would have been saved. In one sense, he perished because he didn't put on the parachute, but the primary reason he died was because he broke the law of gravity. If a sinner refuses to trust Jesus Christ when he passes through the door of death, he will perish. This isn't because he refused to trust the Savior, but, be, be, but because he transgressed the law of God. Had he put on the, the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans thirteen fourteen, he would have been saved. But because he refused to repent, he will suffer the full consequences of his sin. The sin is not failing to believe in Jesus. The sin is the transgression of the law. Are you with me? Is this okay? So, when the moral law is preached, should we also preach all the other laws? Because there's loads of ceremonial laws. There's loads of of different uh, civil laws. Do we preach just the law? The starting point has to be the Ten Commandments because the Lord has made us, every single man, woman, and child, he has put within us a conscience that is made to respond to his law. So if we can actually rightly handle the law, and that's a sign of maturity, we can actually present it in a way that it brings conviction to sin on the human conscience. So ever so, ever so, his ways are supreme, really supreme. So Paul in Romans, Romans 2, 21 to 24, used the law, James and Jesus. I'm going to look at those three things. I'm going to give you a piece of paper to go away and think about, and then we'll come back next week and see what the Lord has done. Let's look at um, Paul in Romans 2. Are you okay with this? I'm more excited than ever before about the way the Lord is going to save. And, you know, last night when we were in that time of prayer, it was only, I was only entering into a conversation with the Lord when I saw a whole mosque full of men being turned into a house of prayer for all nations. It was like I was just in dialogue with the Lord. Can this be possible? He was entreating me to ask him. I was provoked and I haven't got out of it yet. So, preaching the reality of hell without using the law to bring the knowledge of sin can do a great deal of damage to the cause of the gospel. A sinner cannot conceive of the thought that God would send anyone to hell as long as he is deceived into thinking that God's standard of righteousness is the same as his. Paul reasoned with Felix regarding righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. This is the righteousness that is of the law and the judgment by the law. Felix trembled because he suddenly understood that his intemperance made him a guilty sinner in the sight of a holy God. 
the reality of hell suddenly became, un- uh, became reasonable to him when the law was used to bring the knowledge of sin. Let's go to um, James 2. If anybody's interested in looking at this Bible at the end or is trying to source some, we will try and get some. But we're not going to just buy rooks of Bibles in. But it's more than a... It is a, a, a an aid to... Um, it's got all sorts of things in about all the different religions in the world. What am I looking for here? One, six. Has anybody else got one? Using it. Did you get one, Shambi? Um, listen to this. This is uh, James. In J- the, it's the notes in James 2, 10 and 11. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet be aff- offended in one point, he is guilty of all. It is of great importance that the sinner should be made to feel his guilt. Now, that in, that in itself to me, I'm going, no, let's make it nice. Let's try and, you know, give sweets out and tell him it's okay. Jesus is brilliant and he just gives great gifts. And it says if they can't feel the guilt and not to the impression that he's unfortunate. Do not be afraid, but to show him the breadth of the divine law and the exceeding strictness of the precepts. Make him see how it condemns his thoughts and life. By a convicted sinner, I mean one who feels himself condemned by the law of God. I remark that this, the law, is the rule and the only just rule by which the guilt of sin can be measured. Every man needs only to consult his own conscious faithfully, consciousness faithfully and he will see that it is equally affirmed by the mind's own intuition to be right. Charles Finney said that. In other words, our conscience is made to speak to us about where we're at. So the initial reaction from, a, from somebody who's not walking with the Lord might be, hey, don't you condemn me or don't you, you might get the flack. But it isn't you. It's the, the law of God impressed on their spirit that causes them to wake up and, and realize it. I'll read you one more. One, three, two, one. What if someone says they've never lied, they've never stolen, they've never lusted, or they've never blasphemed? I mean, uh, uh, Ray Comfort and Kirk Cameron have been preaching the gospel in this manner for years and years and years. And what they basically do is they'll say to somebody, have you ever broken the commandments? And of course, people will say, no, I'm not. I'm not a bad person. I'm just not, I've never done anything wrong. So then they'll say, well, have you ever lied? Yeah, but I mean, we all tell a little white lie now and again. Have you ever, like wanted something somebody else has got what is that what is that it's coveting isn't it well yeah we all do that we all say well nice car i won't mind that for myself or why has they got that and not me uh and then he goes through all these things you know have you ever judged somebody have you ever thought bad about somebody which is like murder jesus said so what does that make you that makes you a lying blaspheming murderous you know leave it with you just making them aware that there's a standard from heaven, the Holy Spirit can work with that. But then the good news is, hey, I have as well. Listen, I'm in the same boat. 
But I'm certain of an eternal future because Jesus the man came down and he... So then it's left with them to actually... And they've seen thousands and thousands and thousands. So Paul, James, Jesus, each used the moral law to bring the knowledge of sin, specifically the Ten Commandments, because that's what's written in the hearts of all men. Romans 2.15 is the scripture. So I would like us to begin to pray that the Lord, before we even step out of the doors, would be able to teach us in these four weeks. I don't want anybody to go out with a formula, anybody to reach somebody else with a technique. But if your confidence can be built up in knowing how to apply the law, you can do it anywhere, anytime, with anyone. Yeah? I'll read you one more quote. This is going right back into the Old Testament. If you're in the same Bible as me, Shambir, it's page 126. Um, and then... Uh, no, it was, only, it's the ten, it was just the Ten Commandments. It was just that which I've read to you, that, that, that Paul, James, and Jesus all, um, all did it. Right, let's have a go at them then, and then I'll give you a piece of paper out. What's the first of the commandments? It, it is, you shall love the Lord your God, but, it, but, it, but it's, before that it says, you shall have no other gods before me. That's a high standard. I mean, that, that, that's, that, that speaks right into every false religion that does not acknowledge him as the one true living God. So that's the first commandment. Yes. Yeah. Well, but know the gods, love the Lord your God. Second one. Does anybody know what the second one is? Without looking in your Bibles. No, it's not. Not taking his name. It's the third one. No graven image. What's going in these every day? We've got a blessed little TV screen, haven't we? No graven image. No graven image. Now, we don't live in a culture where they do all this, but do we? There's stuff before our eyes all the time. So no graven image. Third one, name in vain. Fourth one, remember the Sabbath. Who's had their Sabbath this week? Who's entered into Sabbath and said, Lord, this is my portion of my Sabbath? Not just took off and had a, a bit of time off. You enter into it by faith. You've broken the commandments this week. I hope the law is being applied to your hearts. You dirty, rotten sinners. We're all guilty. We're all guilty before you stone me. We're all guilty. Sabbath. No. I've got the mic. Okay, number number five then. Honour your father and mother that your days may be long on the earth. Next one. You shall not kill. Then, no. Commit adultery. Then steal. Then what? Bear false witness and lie and then... Yes. So, in the Bible that I have, and by the way, this, these Bibles have got a wordless, wordless gospel at the end. Um, there's a wordless gospel, so if, if you actually see someone and you can't converse with them in their language, it's got the whole gospel in pictures at the end. It's very, very clever. 
So this is like some little pictures of the Ten Commandments, right? If you all have one of these and you learn them off by heart, we'll test you next week, yeah? Okay. Number four isn't very clear because I had to take a screenshot from the, from the, I've got it on the, you can get it, the Evidence Bible on your Kindle as well. So you can, you don't get the full Bible, you just get the notes that are through in it. Uh, but number four, actually, these, these must be in the wrong order. Because isn't number four the Sabbath? Well, that's supposed to be a television screen. That's the graven image, I think. Anyway, have we got any children in here now? Somebody give them out then? Well, I'll just put some here. Some here. Just pass, take one and pass them on. If you want one, you don't have to have one. But it will help you to learn them. Do you want to learn them? And ask the Lord to teach you about his law. I've looked at the, the New Testament scriptures where it said what the law could not do, Jesus did by, God did by sending Jesus. And the law, the law, the law, the law, the law. And I'm thinking, we don't want to become legalistic, you know, law bashers. But if we don't know what God's standard and law is, we can't help someone reach out for an answer to their sin. Does that make sense? Have you been able to receive anything I've said today or not? Teach us. That's all I'm asking. Lord, teach us. Um, one more then. Sorry, Dad. Well, it's, it'll be... Our, we'll have the... Um, <laughs> we'll have it on the podcast for you to download. And we're working on a an updated version of our website as well. Okay, this is this is an exciting thing I saw here. In in Judges chapter six, verse twenty seven, it says Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, but he did it by night. And it, the Lord gave Gideon success and they've taken out of that scripture the fact that Gideon took ten men. And this is the footnote. There is no denying that when God asks us to reach out to the unsaved, that we battle with fear. Gideon also had a battle with fear. However, he didn't let it paralyze him. Notice that what he couldn't do during the day, he did at night. One great key was that he took 10 men of his servants and did what the Lord had said. 10 men of his servants. Did you hear me? Do the same. Take the Ten Commandments and use them as Jesus did, Mark ten seventeen and 22, as servants to do what God has said. If you can't do any open-air preaching, then witness one-to-one. If you can't do that, give out tracts. If you can't do that, discreetly leave a tract somewhere. Whatever you do, don't let fear paralyze you in doing nothing. If you can't evangelize in the sight of men, then evangelize when no one is looking. So let's ask the Lord to give us some strategy and ways of testing this out, not being afraid. I'm going to pray for us this morning, and uh, I hope you've got something out of it. And if you want to have a look at this wonderful Bible, you can have a look at mine or Shambir's. Father, thank you that your law is your law, is your law, is your law. We agree with your law, your precepts, your standards, uh, 
And we thank you above all that, Lord, for your mercy. Lord, help us even this week to apply your law into our hearts to receive more of your mercy, more of your grace. Change us and transform us, Lord, so that we be the witness and we're not afraid. Lord, we bind fear. We break our, uh, our friendship with it, our agreement with it. We want to be like Gideon, Lord, who takes, Lord, that, that word that you've given us, that rich word, and is able to run. Let your word this week run swiftly through our lives into the hearts and lives of those that we're around. Help us, Lord, to handle your word and let it do its work of conviction. Lord, we see that fields are white unto harvest. We see that revival is just on the horizon. And we pray again, Lord, for our town. And we say, Lord, save them. Save them to the uttermost. We don't just want converts. We don't just want mental ascent. We want men and women whose lives are so radically changed, so radically transformed by the love of Jesus. Lord, set us up, Lord. Not that we would be anything great, but that you would have the reward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.